Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. chapter 1, starting in verse 26. The Word of God says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city. I think we need these um, microphones to be muted. I think that's what's happening. I think that's what it is, but it could, maybe, maybe it's not. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God in a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin that, that's me there, and the virgin's name was Mary and coming in he said to her greetings favored one the Lord is with you but she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was and the angel said to her do not be afraid the angel don't be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself was, has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called infertile is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time Mary set out and went in Mary set out and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who received that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. This is the Word of God. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Mike. Amen, 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 and amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. What great worship. What an amazing time of year. Can you um, check on the, the, you're still plugged in. You're going to, or, or do that. That's good too. Today, today is, today, today's a big deal, right? In the Christian calendar. I am super happy about what we're celebrating today. Today we celebrate the birth of Jesus. The God who put on flesh. The God who loved us so much that he made himself vulnerable to his creation. He could have come and reigned as a monarch. He could have been a dictator. He, he, he could have come and, and, and then sent down fire and brimstone and destroyed the earth with his wrath. 
But He chose to live among us. He chose to live among the marginalized, the down and out, those who were hurting. He chose to live among those who weren't in the in crowd. He chose to live among the, the poor and the marginalized. It gets so easy to be too familiar with this story. And on Christmas, it's easy to come and know, like Duke said, this Scripture that we're all familiar with, that we all know about, that we all have memorized, maybe our whole lives known this Scripture, maybe known this story. The secular world even celebrates this story in a fictionalized kind of narrative way. Come on, Mike, you can do it. Help us out here. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's easy to know this story in a, in a narrative, fictionalized way and allow it to lose all of its power. Come on, Mike. See, you can rebuke the elders from this pulpit. <laughs> that's what the Bible tells us. <laughs> I'm sure that's an emergency. That's why he's on the phone. I was uh, watching the news last night, and in uh, Dubai, they put on a Christmas celebration with Santa Claus with 4,000 drones. Now, when you know a Muslim population is celebrating Santa Claus, that Santa Claus is not the story today. Amen? That, that when there's this, this, this kind of feel-good, hallmark holiday that we call Christmas, we lose the life changing, world-altering, time-defining message of what Christmas really is. The story is really the miraculous life an ordinary person can lead when the Holy Ghost comes upon them. This story, it's not just some, some, some novel that was written. It's not even something that God did on His own without us. This story is the difference between dead religion and a relationship with the living God. The difference between someone who knows about God, knows about the story, and someone who is burning with relationship with the living God. It's a difference between saying, I know the thing already, I know the story already, I've heard it before, I bought the gifts, I understand, born in a major. difference between that and, 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 and someone who can never know enough about this Savior that was born in the world. This story is about the impact of one life well-lived in God's presence. And this is the reason that we get together and we say, next slide please, Isaac. We say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen? Joy to the world. This is the, this is the message of joy that changes all of eternity. We do celebrate Jesus. When, when, I, was in, um, when I was in college, I had been in the military. Those of you who know my story, I was in the military for six and a half years and then I got out and I, and I went to college. And uh, at college, um, there was a girl who was on a softball scholarship that I met. Uh, her name was Paula. She, I was older because I had been 
to the military already, and, uh, and she, she was younger, of course. And uh, we became friends, and we began to kind of hang out. And and uh, she had this uh, friend of hers that she was dating, and and uh, we became a little bit of a, a friend group. And um, I, I cared about them, and I would give them advice uh, because they were kind of navigating the world as 18, 19 year olds, and here I was in my mid twenties already. And so I would, they would come to me for advice. Uh, and in return, they would give me advice about getting saved. I, I would talk to them about navigating finances and navigating relationships and navigating life. And they began to try to talk to me about navigating a relationship with Jesus that's more than just head knowledge. And, and we would hang out and uh, they took me water skiing. And the only time I've ever been water skiing was with Paula and her, her boyfriend. And uh, I still have pictures of it. To, to this day, and, um, and and she would tell me her testimony of how she grew up in church, grew up knowing the, the story of Jesus, and then one day at the, a Disney event for Christian worship, but that the speaker began talking, and she looked up, and the warmth of God came over her, and her heart was converted. And I tell you this story because she told it to me so many times, I could tell it to you. You see, we had a friendship, but Paula knew there was something bigger that God had for my life than just our friendship. This, this, this story, I remember it so well because the Holy Ghost was on it. I don't remember a lot of people's names. I don't remember a lot of stories word for word, but I remember her testimony word for word because she told it to me so many times. And I rebuffed them every single time they tried to witness to me because I already knew the story. I was very familiar with the story. I, I knew the birth, I knew the death, I knew the resurrection. I knew these things already. I didn't need to hear her story. But of course, Holy Spirit was at work in her life, sharing the life of God with me. And uh, she invited me to her church who was putting on a little event. And uh, they had an altar call at the end. And I didn't answer the altar call because I already knew God. And as time went on, I lost contact with Paula and her, and her boyfriend, and uh, I moved to Gainesville to go to, excuse me, I moved to Washington, D.C. to go to college. And while I was in Washington, D.C., something was happening in my heart, and I didn't, I didn't fully understand it at the time. I, I just knew I wanted to know God more. I didn't understand why that was happening, but I had a desire to know God, and I was reading my Bible, and I was doing what I knew how to do, but it wasn't connecting. And uh, I didn't know what was happening in my life but I was being pulled in a direction that I didn't understand. I was supposed to leave the college that I had a scholarship to and move to Gainesville and go to the University of Florida. And just like the story of Jesus is a story that if you truly know it by the Spirit, it will give you more life. I'm going to tell you about four stories today that if you will lean in and listen, will bring a few new life. And so I moved to Gainesville and uh, was seeking God, and a friend that I knew invited me to his church. And I already had a church, uh, and I actually went, and I had an encounter with the living God at the church that I did not understand. But when my friend invited me to the church, there was something about his excitement that I was like, well, I'll, 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 give, I'll give that a shot. And, uh, and I, I, I went, and I um, and, uh, when I went to the service, I got radically, radically converted. 
I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that I walked in for the first time, I could see the world clearly. That's the only way I could describe it to you. At that moment, I didn't know I had been living life in a fog, and all of a sudden, the story that I knew with my head my whole life became real. The God that I knew from the stories in the book that I always read, all of a sudden, became the God that would leap off those pages and into my heart. And everything changed from that day forward. Now, that girl, she didn't, she didn't lead me in a prayer of salvation. She didn't convince me. She didn't convict me. It didn't, she didn't get to see the fruit of her labor. And my friend, who, who had been witnessing to me, he didn't either. But there was something, this, this kindness that they showed me and, and this word that they preached to me. You know, my friend who had invited me to this church in Gainesville, he didn't die on the cross for me. He didn't. He wasn't my Savior. But his experience at church made it comfortable for me to go. You could say that he made straight the way of the Lord for me. He just made that path a little more straight. And, and, and as I look back on my story and how I came to faith in Christ, it's the story of just each one person doing their part in advancing God's kingdom purpose. Amen? The Bible is filled with stories like this. There's a reason that our book, this, the holy book, just like all religions have sacred texts, but our, our book is different. Our book is about flawed people. It's about people with broken lives. It's about people with great failures. And none of them are sugar-coated. None of them are erased. None of them are whitewashed. We get to see them in all their spectacular ugliness. We get to see them in all their failures, preserved for history. To humiliate them? No. To show that one life submitted to Holy Spirit can make a great difference in our world. You say amen? When we think of Christmas, we, we think of baby Jesus, of course. We think of Jesus in a major Maybe we think of, I don't know, Mary, who, who, you know, maybe she was perfect according to some faiths. We know that that's not true. Maybe you think of the wise men who marched out. But really, it's just about baby Jesus. And uh, that's the whole story. But while Jesus alone is the Savior, He alone is God in these stories. It was God's choice to do His greatest work together with people. God always wants community. It's always His desire to move with us. It's rarely one special person. As a matter of fact, most cults are created when it's one special person. Unhealthy churches are built on one special person. Unhealthy movements are built on one special person. Our faith is built on one special person, Jesus who will never fail, but He operates through very flawed, very wounded human beings like me, like you, like the people in the world who don't know that there's more than just a story going on here. God is actually doing something much, much more. In the book of Acts, in chapter 9, there's this incredible, incredible story. Uh, in it, we, there's a man named Paul. He's from the city of Tarsus, but 
he is uh, on his way to a city called Damascus. And on his way to Damascus, the Holy Ghost gets a hold of him. The heavens open. He sees Jesus. And he has an encounter with the living God. Confesses him as Lord. And as we read the story in Acts chapter 9, Paul stays in the city of Damascus. Now, Paul was a guy who, at this point in his life, his career was to kill and imprison Christians. That was his job. He had a letter saying he was allowed to put Christians in jail for the sin of being Christians, and he was allowed to murder those who opposed him. That's all he did. He killed and persecuted Christians. But he met Jesus, and he was converted. And now he had this incredible knowledge of the Old Testament and a revelation of the living God. And so Paul took his worldly knowledge, what he had been reading his whole life, just like the story that I had been reading my whole life. And he took this knowledge, and now that God was in his life, Holy Ghost breathed on it. And something supernatural began to happen. As he shared his scriptures with the anointing of Holy Spirit, people were not only converted, but that other beautiful thing that happens when the scriptures are preached, people are convicted. And so people, when they are convicted by the Spirit that something needs to change, they either decide, I'm going to cooperate with God in change, or I'm going to hate the one bringing the message I don't want to hear. This, this is what happens. This is the dichotomy of preaching the truth. And so he would debate people, and he was so good at debating people in Damascus that the people of the city decided, you know what we'll do? We'll just kill him. That's an easy thing to do. Since Paul killed people, we'll kill him and the problems will go away. Well, they tried that with Jesus too, and that didn't work either. But so they figured they're going to try to kill Jesus. As a matter of fact, as we read the story in Acts chapter 9, there's the, the cities in those days were surrounded with walls. And the openings in the walls that get in and out were called the city gates. And they decided that people would wait outside of the city gates until Paul left to escape this persecution, and they would murder him. And then his disciples got together, and they lowered him down with a rope outside the city wall so that he wouldn't be murdered. What if there weren't friends willing to take that risk for Paul? What if at that moment they just decided, we're just going to let, you know, whatever happens, happens. I don't want to risk getting in trouble. No, no, no. It's the extraordinary acts of some very ordinary people anointed by the Holy Ghost that changes the world. And so he was lowered down from this wall and, and, uh, and, and he left and he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll go visit where the apostles are in Jerusalem. And so he went to Jerusalem and said, hey, hey guys, here I am. I'm Paul. I got saved and I'm, I'm ready to hang out with you. And they're like, no, actually we know who you are. You're the guy who kills Christians. And uh, no, don't come anywhere near us. We don't want anything to do with you. And then there was a man named Barnabas. You see, so many of us, when we live our lives, we think that we're defined by the worst chapters of our lives. And even worse, some of us will define other people by their low point. They will, they will see what we've done at our worst, and they will try to make that our entire personality. But there was one extraordinary man in Jerusalem named Barnabas. And Barnabas, anointed by the Holy Ghost, saw Paul. 
And he's like, no, this one is different. There was a guy, and now he's different. And I can't let him be excluded from the church. We don't know. Maybe Barnabas had a past, and he had been forgiven. And so he wanted to extend that forgiveness to someone else. Maybe Barnabas had always been godly, and he saw that Peter had turned on the Lord. And he said, if Peter can be restored, I'm sure that this one can as well. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe he knew that one day this story would be told 2,000 years later, and he just wanted to be that guy that was talked about forever. Who knows? But Barnabas took a risk on this guy named Paul. And he introduced him to the apostles. And that introduction helped turn Paul from a guy who argues with religious people to the man that went on three massive, world-changing missionary tours, founding the church in Asia Minor, the guy who wrote about a quarter of what we call the New Testament. He articulated a theology of Christianity for the whole Greek world. The Holy Ghost came upon His natural abilities and changed the course of history. But who gets the credit for that? Is it, is it Paul? Is it the people who lowered him in the basket on the city wall? Was it Barnabas who brought the invitation to him to meet the apostles? Was it the apostles? No, it's the one. All working together under the power of Holy Spirit who knits all things together for good. This is not a coincidence. It wasn't, it wasn't blind luck. This is the Holy Spirit moving in the earth, prompting each person to do their part, even if they never see the ultimate fruit of it. This is what we see in the Christmas story. This is why this is such an amazing day, and this is why it's proper that we take time each year to celebrate this story. At one point, <clears throat> the angel came to Mary. Mary was just a young girl. We don't know how young exactly. Those who hate Christianity say she was 13. Those who are familiar with Jewish customs say she was probably in her mid to late teens, as was the custom of the day when people got married. But we don't know for certain. But <clears throat> the angel came to Mary and tells her she has a divine purpose. He tells her, you have found favor with God. You have a son and name him Yeshua, which means God saves. Wouldn't that be a great name to have? God saves. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we see in the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the descendant of David. I would do, do me a favor, skip ahead to 32 if you would please. No, verse 32. That's, that, that's nice. But uh, he will be great, the Bible says, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And there we go. He shall be great and will be called the Son of of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
that's that's an incredible word to get from the angel, right? That that's 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 kind of wild right there. That's 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 something that will kind of throw you off. That that would that would make you wonder what's going on here because she knew it was an angel. She could not argue that the angel of the Lord had visited her. But I want you to see something interesting in this story as we read verse 32 and 33. She says, He will reign over the house of Jacob and the kingdom will have no end. But the angel stops there. He stops talking. He tells her, you've been chosen and this is, this is your divine future. And then he stops. And Mary had a choice, I believe. I believe at that very moment, God was waiting for divine consent. I, I believe that Mary had the opportunity right there to respond and say, yeah, no, buddy, you got the wrong girl. I am still young. You only live once. I am not giving away my youth to this nonsense. No way. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Why am I doing this? Why, why me? Why, why do I have to do, why do I have to be an unmarried woman Who's pregnant? Why not someone else? No, no, no. No, not me. But, but that's not what happened. Why? Mary loved God. And the Spirit of God was in the room. She didn't ask why. She had one question. How? How is this going to happen? If God has chosen this for me, please tell me how. And here's what the angel says. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. How are you going to come into your call? How are you going to fulfill your divine purpose? The Holy Ghost. That's how. There was this shame of having a child when you aren't married. And married wasn't alone on this journey. The angel not only promised that God would be with her, but that she would have a community. She had a relative named Elizabeth. And the Bible, the Bible tells us about Elizabeth, that she was well past the age of having children. Some theologians believe that she was 60 or older. Now, I, 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 the angel tells Mary, like, your old, your old aunt... She's six months pregnant. And she's like, what? What? Now, now, when I was young, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was young, I really identified with Mary and Joseph. Like, you have this kid who's going to be special. That's what every parent thinks, right? Like, you're going to have a child, and the child is going to be special. Like, it's going to be the greatest child, and this child is going to partner with me, and we're going to come into glory, because we're going to... And, and, but now... Now I'm a little bit older, right? And, and I, think, I think about Elizabeth and Zechariah, and I'm thinking, do I really want kids when I'm old? Like, is that, is that something I want? Do I want to be raising a newborn in my 60s? Those of us who have raised our children already are like, I don't know. Like, they're finally able to bathe themselves and take care of themselves. It's, it, do I want to chase around a toddler in my seven, could I chase around a toddler? I don't understand kids now at this age. I don't know how I'd even speak the same language at that age. I, 
raising kids today, you got to pray in tongues just to understand what they're saying already. I don't, I don't understand the language. Like, I need a divine interpretation of what is happening. But, but, but Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were just, they were just living their lives. Zechariah was a priest, and, 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 and there were more priests than there were jobs. And so what would happen is there would be a rotation, and every very few years the priest would go and serve at the temple. And maybe once in your entire life you would serve in the Holy of Holies. And as it turned out, Zechariah at the same time, coincidentally, about six months earlier, it was his turn to go serve in the Holy of Holies. And when he was there in the Holy of Holies, the angel said to him, you are going to have a son. And sure enough, Elizabeth got pregnant. They had the miracle, but they needed something more. Luke 39, 139 says this. Oops, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm, you know, I'll figure this out at some point. This is, this is going to be amazing when I get this worked out. Here we go. Now, at this time, Mary set out and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, here we go. Mary, behold, the Lord's servant is with you. May it be... I'm sorry, this is... My, 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 my slides are all messed up. Can you forgive me? Can we just be family? Just forgive me on this. They're just a little messed up here today, 39. Entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Let's read this. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out... Next one, please, Isaac. And she cried out... Whoops. Hallelujah. I'm going to get this. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she... Next one, Isaac, please. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth was simply called, doing what she was called to do. God sent the Holy Ghost, and she added her natural with God's supernatural. But it wasn't just Elizabeth and Zechariah on their own having this supernatural baby late in their lives. How many of you know if you're raising a baby late in your lives, you need the Holy Ghost? You need the Holy Ghost at work in your family. But it wasn't just that. They were raising a prophet. They were raising a prophet who would get the most powerful people in Israel really irritated. And if you have raised a stubborn child, you knew they really needed the Holy Ghost to raise John the Baptist. They couldn't just do it on their own. I cannot imagine... What it was like raising this boy who would stand in the wilderness and call all Israel to repentance. And you want to say, can you just get in the car? We got somewhere to go. Can you just put on your shoes? I'm trying to get you to school. 
And he's quoting the Old Testament to you, telling you how Israel must repent. You know that they needed the Holy Ghost to raise them. When you're up, you're, when you're young, you're, you're up all night. and you got to figure out what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear. And Once they... When you're a young parent, you're worried about so many things that you don't care about as an older parent. And so I think about John the Baptist being a prophet. Probably needed some older parents who weren't going to stress about every little thing. They're just like, I don't have energy any longer to stop this. But I understand who you're called to be. You're just a little stubborn, and that's just how God made you. When you have your first child, you're like, oh, my kid talks sooner than anybody else's kid. My kid must be advanced. And your second or third child, you're like, I hope they don't start talking too soon. I just... I just wish that we could take a little time to stay in the crib. I don't need you to be the advanced child climbing out of the crib in nine months. We don't, we don't need advanced kids. We, we need remedial kids at this age. And if they are climbing out, if you're older, you're like, yeah, they're out. It is what it is. And the young parents are like, well, I read in the parenting magazine that you have. And they're like, yeah, whatever. That's God's problem. I don't. I'm just going to keep them alive. That's the goal right now. At this age, we're just going to keep them. Stubborn kids need graceful parents. Amen? When we were young, we would try to mold them in every little thing that they did. And as we got older, we're like, as long as they're breathing and passing school, we're good to go. None of the clothes match, we don't care. As long as they're dressed, I am okay. When they're with your first child, you're like, the shoes don't match the shirt with your second and third by five and no parents with their fourth kids. They, they, they just stop raising them. The older kids start raising the younger kids. They're just like, I already did this. Y'all figure it out, right? Like, I'm just, I'm going to bring some food. Y'all work it out. I'm just, I don't, got, I don't have energy for all this. I, I can imagine John, he would just go about his life living crazy. I can, I can, visit, I can imagine Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah visiting him saying, Son, are, are you eating okay? Because I've been hearing about your diet, and uh, doesn't, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. And, 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 and I remember when I was a parent, and I, I recognized that um, I wasn't cool anymore, and I had no idea how kids dress anymore. And, and I remember I was, uh, I, was, I was in grad school, and uh, there was a youth pastor in my, in my grad school class, and he was wearing an outfit, and, and, and I was like, bro, my, my, my kid wore something like that is... Is that in? Because I was like, bro, he's like, he's like, listen, this is what people wear. Your, your child is fine. I was like, oh, thank you, because I thought he looked ridiculous. I thought she looked ridiculous. I, I didn't know what they were wearing, because I'm so far out of being cool. I don't know what's anymore. Now my kids come and they say, hey, hey, or my son will say, hey, dad, what do you think about this outfit? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any idea. If you want to dress like a middle-aged man, you look ridiculous. If you want to dress like somebody your age, I have no idea. I've come to a place of humility of recognizing I got no clue what's in. I'm so far from being in, I'm just out. I don't even know where in is. I don't know where the front door is. I, I listen to music. Hey, listen to this. I'm like, that's not in English. Why are we listening to music that's not in English? We don't speak this language. I know all the words, but, but, but there's songs in the language we already speak. Why are we listening to... I don't get it. I'm out. I'm old. I'm, I'm not in anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm antiquated and antique. I don't know. I'm not cool 
any longer. And I have had to come to the place where I've said, I'm, I'm done being young and I'm done being cool. I'm like, that's, I, like you, I might have belts older than you. I don't know. I don't, that's just where I'm at in life these days. Your pastor is going through something right now. I don't know if you're getting that or not. Going through something right now. But there was Elizabeth and Zechariah. I feel like they were old enough to be like, yeah, I don't care. Be crazy. I don't, I don't know. Eat, eat. You want to eat some locusts? Go for it. Maybe that's in now. I don't know. Eat it with some camel milk? I don't know. I don't, do kids really wear camel hair stuff these days? I don't know. I'm just going to wear my tunic because I'm a priest and I'm just going to do my thing. You do your thing. But John the Baptist, who's like, look, it's, Zechariah had to be like, it's all good. What, you know, what, 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 whatever. <laughs> I don't know what to do about this. But John, was a, he was a loner. John had fellowship with the Holy Spirit, though. And so John, in his heart, it was settled that he was going to fulfill his call and proclaim the Messiah. Just one guy. Anointed with the Holy Spirit with a very, very special call. He was going to call out the Messiah. And he didn't know it yet, but he was going to baptize him so that the Holy Spirit could land upon him. And he did that. John baptized Jesus. Told everybody, this is the Messiah we've been looking for. And later on, John was still prophesying, still being difficult to the leaders. And they put him in jail because he was calling out for traditional marriage with the leaders. And here he was with this special call with the anointing of God in his life, sitting in a prison cell. And he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask, did John get it right or did he miss it? You ever felt that way? Did I get it right or did I miss it? And Jesus answers in a way only Jesus could answer. Because, you know, Jesus, it's a hobby of His not to give you clear answers, right? It's like, it's like His love language to not give you clear answers, I feel like. That's like how He shows His love. I'm just going to speak to you in parables. Thank you, Jesus. And He says to John, tell him that the, the blind are seeing and the lame are walking. There's miracles and the kingdom is being proclaimed. What's, what's Jesus telling John there? He's like, listen, I want you to see not, not what you're looking for. I want you to see the fruit of the kingdom of God that has happened since you were obedient to God. There's a whole lot of measures for our lives in South Florida. The accumulation of wealth, to look as young as we can, to be as powerful as we can possibly be. So many measures that are celebrated in South Florida other than what is the kingdom fruit of your life? After you die, what is going to remain? When it's all said and done and they pack you up and put you in a box and they lower you in the ground or they scatter your ashes or whatever may happen with your body, what, what is going to be the testimony of your life? Once they get all your money and they give it to somebody else or they give it away or it gets passed down and your stuff gets sold or thrown away or, or gifted. What, what, what is the actual eternal legacy of your life? Jesus was telling John, this is a life well lived under the anointing of Holy Spirit. Because, John, you have been obedient 
people are experiencing the kingdom of God. I think about Mary. Us Protestants are scared of giving Mary too much credit. We're like worried that if we actually celebrate this one that God chose to be the womb of the Savior, we might stop worshiping Jesus. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the fear is, but I'm not fearful of it. Amen? I'm not fearful of looking at the one that Jesus said that we should really take note of. Mary, Mary doesn't get enough credit in my book. Say amen? She didn't get enough credit. She, she, she was a spectacular woman. Imagine, of all the women on the planet, God chose Mary to keep our salvation alive at her breast. What a powerful, powerful, powerful call. What a significant woman. But, but she got this crazy, crazy prophecy. She got this prophecy that the Messiah promised to the Jews from antiquity will be born to her. When they thought of the Messiah, nobody thought of his birth. They, they thought that there would be a guy who was either a priest or, or someone in the army or a leader, that he would amass power. And one day this leader would not only lead the Jews, but he would take over the Romans and bring salvation to their world. Salvation to their world was a lot like how we do salvation in South Florida. More power, more money, more control. This is our society we live in today. Waiting for someone to give them the key to get rich, or the key to long life, or the key to have power. They weren't looking for a baby. They weren't thinking that one was going to be born. They weren't thinking that one was going to have a miraculous birth among them. They were looking in rabbinical schools. They were looking in the priestly class. They weren't looking in some backwater town of someone who wasn't going to be make them jealous. They were looking for someone who they thought was better than them. But this is how God likes to show up. Like Paula in inviting me to go skiing, or Barnabas inviting Paul to the Bible study. Elizabeth and Zechariah were just trusting God and doing their part. Mary was just choosing to allow God to be God in her life. And so she had Jesus, the baby. Jesus, the Messiah to the Jews. He had been promised and He came, but He came for a new start. Come up, Mike, if you would. He came for a new start. And this is not a new story. Again, this is a story that was told over and over in the Bible. <clears throat> Next week, I'm going to have service online. I hope you join us same time, 10 o'clock online on our YouTube channel. There'll be a link at the front of our website or you can just go to our YouTube channel and check it there. And what we're going to do next week is we're going to look back at 2023 to make sure we have sewed up this year ready for next year. We're going to kind of look back and figure out where we are and how we got here individually and collectively and so we can prepare and be ready 
for the word I'm going to give on the first Sunday of next year, casting vision where I see God taking us in kind of a new direction with new hope and calling. David, you just turn the music down one touch like this. So next week, this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to we're going to look back to prepare for going forward. And as we look at the stories that we looked at today of Paula and Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary and Barnabas, today many people think, man, maybe, maybe, maybe if God used all these people, maybe God could have more for, for my life. These people who are just living their life best they knew how, and just made room for Holy Spirit to move through their lives. Just made room for God. That's all they did. They said, I, God, I, I, I feel like there's probably something more. Who knows that dream that you had in the middle of the night that excited you so much? How do you know it wasn't prophetic? That thought that you had, like, man, if I did this, this would help so many people. How do you know that wasn't an angel encounter? And how do you know there wasn't a divine invitation when you were invited to church and a divine invitation into your true purpose, much like Paula gave me? And so some today may be thinking, does God have more for my life? I pray today the Holy Spirit would overshadow you as you surrender to God. Listen, if you're wondering, man, maybe, maybe, maybe life is about more than living life, getting ready to die. Maybe it's more than just getting ready for retirement. Maybe, maybe it's more than just raising kids. Maybe it's more than just creating a business or getting a better car, trying to stay healthy. Maybe it's more. Friend, it is. God has much more for your life. And I pray today that Holy Spirit would overshadow you as you surrender to God. Maybe you're like Zechariah and Elizabeth and you think it's too late. Elizabeth was like, I don't, I don't know how this is possible. Zechariah didn't say that. He said it's actually impossible. He said it was so impossible, the angel said, I'm going to have to shut your mouth to keep you from messing this thing up. And I think it's not coincidental that it took Zechariah shutting up for Elizabeth to get pregnant, right? So maybe, maybe the biggest obstacle to your fruitfulness is... Let's put that out there a little bit. Maybe. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe, maybe God, maybe, maybe God has you here today. So you would be anointed by His Spirit so that the hope can be brought alive in your life. I'm here to tell you today, God is not done moving in your life today. God brought you here to be encouraged that there is a supernatural future waiting for you, and it is never too late.
Your story is never too dirty. Your past is never too mucky. Your sins are never too dark to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So maybe you're thinking, does God want to bring me eternal life today? Maybe in your ordinary mind, you know the story. Maybe you're like me, you heard the story your whole life. Maybe you're like Paul, who had the Scriptures memorized and thought that he knew that he was fulfilling God's purpose. And then he met Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. Have you met the resurrected Jesus? Have you actually come into contact with the resurrected Jesus? Has His Holy Spirit come upon you in a way that warmed your life? Gave you a new capacity to love? Empowered you to see beyond this natural realm into the spirit realm where God lives? Have you been saved? Today, in your ordinary mind, maybe you're like Paul. You, you, you hear God and you think religion. You might know about God, but do you know God? I believe that Holy Spirit is here today to bring this same quickening that Paul received to those who would receive him today. Stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll go. Merry Christmas. And I don't say this to be cliche or trite. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. The greatest gift that we can receive is our salvation. It is the eternal gift that empowers us to share the eternal story so that people could come into eternal life. I would hear this story and I would think that somebody was judging me. I would think, oh, they're, they're just they're saying that I don't really... I, I took it as an accusation because the Bible says that the devil is the accuser. And I didn't recognize that my very accusations were the words of the enemy coming to life in my heart. I was incapable of hearing the story of love the way God was communicating it to me. Because the God of love was not living in my life yet. And so today, turn with me to just touch if you would. Today I want to invite you afresh to receive the God of glory into your life. To receive salvation as God gave it as a gift. A visitation like Elizabeth and Zechariah had. A visitation like Mary had. A visitation like Paul had, a visitation like Paula had, a visitation like I had. Turn the music up one touch if you will, please. There it is. Oh, tomorrow we're going to unwrap presents, and hopefully you're going to spend time with family, and you're going to celebrate the goodness that is this season, but this season is not goodness for goodness sake. This season is good because Jesus came into the world. 
And the cheer that is being celebrated all over the earth is not just about presence, it's about the God who decided to become present with us. That even in Muslim nations, they would welcome in the goodness of this holiday, not recognizing that it's all about Jesus. Father, we do love you today. And Father, we do thank you that it's never over till you say it's over. That it's never too late for anyone. And Father, that you have a divine purpose for each of us. That we're more than our worst day. We're more than the sum of our mistakes. We are who you say we are. People created in the image of our Father. That we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That you sent Jesus into the world not so that we could perish, but that we should have everlasting life. That through faith in you, we can have fellowship with the living God. And we could have a future and a hope beyond anything that we can hope or imagine. Father, I would pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help us to put aside religion, put aside the story we already know, so that we can put faith into that eternal story. Into that story that never changes and never ends. The only story that will continue into history. Lord, I pray that anybody in this room today who feels either they are disqualified or overqualified to receive Jesus as Savior, that you would show them that no one is beyond reach, that your hand is not too short to save, and that you are calling all home to be with you this Christmas Eve. I want to pray a prayer. And whether you've prayed it a thousand times, you've never prayed it before. As we pray this together, we're going to put our faith in Jesus. And for those who have prayed this for the first time, and you have decided, you know what? You know what, Carl? I think God has something for me in this next season. I, I feel like maybe maybe I have settled in my spiritual walk. I don't, I don't have this ongoing hope that you're talking about. I, I don't have this visitation that's still alive on the inside of me. I, 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 there's got to be more than this. Maybe, maybe you were saved a long time ago and your walk has become stale and you've maybe grown cold and you're away from the Lord. Maybe, maybe you have sins in your life that you just can't get power over and you would pray this prayer to say, I am recommitting myself to be on fire for God, to set myself in prayer and dedication. Or maybe you've never received Him as Savior. Maybe you grew up like I did, thinking I knew Him. I grew up religious, thinking I knew the story, but truly, I didn't know the living God the way I'm talking about here today. Whoever you are and wherever you are in this journey, I want us to say this prayer together so that Jesus can come and save. 
by the power of Holy Spirit, I feel that there's an anxiety in some in the room. And I'm here to let you know the devil hates you and God loves you. The enemy is throwing the whole world at you to keep you from following Jesus. And Jesus died on a cross so that you would have no barrier between you and the Father. And that Holy Spirit is here today, ministering the blood of Jesus, washing us clean and empowering us to be followers of God. Say this prayer after me today as we prepare to worship. Just say, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that it's not too late for me. Thank you that you look past my history. I've done things that were wrong. I knew they were wrong, but I did them anyways. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a new start. Live in my life. And I give my life to you. I declare Jesus is my Lord. I declare Jesus is my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. And give me power to be a witness. And I'll tell the world about you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Come on, give a clap off for the Lord. Give a clap. Come on, come on, come on. Give it, give it, give it. Give a clap off for the Lord. We love you, Jesus. You're so very good. You're so very good, Lord. You're so very good, Lord. You've been so very good to us. We love you. 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 Merry Christmas, Revival Life Church. Listen, call your mom if she's not in town. Visit family and love on them well. Spread the hope that you have in Jesus. And live this week a life well lived under the power of Holy Spirit. You say amen? Amen, amen, amen. One more clap offering. If you're a guest, I would love to talk with you. I'll be in the lobby soon. Have an amazing week and have a Merry Christmas and a happy pastor's birthday.